0: Thank you for joining us for the study of God's Word today. Grab a Bible and listen carefully as God will be speaking to us through His Word today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. If you would, please take your Bible and turn with me now to the book of Mark. It's right next to Luke. I'm sure you know that. And the text for the morning message is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, 35 to the end of the chapter. No one has ever been able to draw a crowd like Jesus Christ. The question is, why are people, even to this day, all over the world, irresistibly drawn to the person of Jesus Christ? Well, we'll have this passage inform us why, but let me go ahead and tell you why people are attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll begin by saying why they're not. It's true of what was said in the scripture about Him in the first incarnation of Himself in one body, but also it's true today and has been throughout the centuries. Here's the first thing that we're going to see from this passage of Scripture. And that is that people are not drawn irresistibly to the person of Christ because of His appearance. On the heels of that, we'll look in more detail even as to the positive reason. It's that people are drawn to Jesus Christ because of His essence, who He is. Now let's go back to the first statement which I made, that people are not drawn to Jesus Christ because of His appearance. This should not surprise us. Hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, the God-man, we read in the book of Isaiah 53, verse 2, there was no beauty in Him that we should desire Him. Jesus was not an attractive person to the point that his appearance physically would have caused people to be drawn to him. That does not mean that he was hard to look at. It just means probably he was rather ordinary in his appearance. And I think there's a reason for that too. Because we are to be like Christ individually once we come to receive him. But also as a church, as we're going to see in just a few moments. So, his physical appearance was not something that drew people's attention. Also, from a material point of view, as far as we know, Jesus only had one garment. I'm not sure whether he wore that one garment the entire three plus years that he did his ministry as the Messiah and the message He brought. But we know when He died, He only had one garment left, didn't He? And we know that the soldiers who crucified Him gambled for that garment at the foot of the cross, of all things. Jesus was not one who was appealing because of His wardrobe. And He was not one who was necessarily electrifying when it came to His pedigree. And remember that Jesus was criticized by residents of his own village in Nazareth because they understood that he was born from their point of view as a baby that was not the child of his father Joseph. We know better than that, don't we? He was conceived in his mother's womb by the Holy Spirit of God. And people made snide remarks about him, didn't they, in that regard? In fact, in the eighth chapter of John, there's a discussion that includes this statement, and it was meant to be a cut down of Jesus. Isn't he the son of Joseph? And everyone would have known what was behind that statement his pedigree was not that which would necessarily draw people to him. And included in his pedigree would be his educational background. In the book of John 7, this is beautiful. In the 17th verse, the leading scholars of the day, they're called the Jews by John in his gospel, they were scratching their head because when they heard him teach, They, not just the commoners, but in this particular setting in the 7th chapter of John at the, the Feast of Booths in Jerusalem, and they listened, and they were galvanized, and they were entranced by what Jesus said. They said, where did this man become so learned? Because he has not had any education. Jesus did not go to rabbi school like other rabbis in his day would have understudied with some great rabbi. And that caused them to wonder. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say what Jesus replied to that before I forget it. This is what he said to them The words that I speak are not my own, the words are those of him who sent me. Jesus was one who only said what he heard the Father say to him when he was teaching. This is amazing. He was a man of the Word of God through and through. And so we're excited when we think about Christ in terms of who He is. We were not drawn, if we were drawn to Christ, it was not because of a building. It was not because of a location of a building. It was not because of the facilities, the staff. It was having nothing to do with any of that. Do you know the only thing that draws us to Him is His being, His essence? And so let's read this passage of Scripture and as we do we're going to see details of the person of Christ as it has to do with are being drawn to Him, and any other people being drawn to Him. Look at verse 35 of Mark chapter 1. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, He arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. This early morning was the morning which followed an incredibly difficult day in terms of exercising of energy, spiritual and physical for Christ. You can read about it earlier in this chapter. He cast out a man, a demon out of a man. He healed Peter's mother in law. People were coming and coming and coming, ganging him. He was exhausted at the end of the day, but he got up early in the morning. This piggybacks on the message that we heard last hour from Pastor Drew and how David was eager in the morning to get up and spend time. With the Lord. Jesus was not unlike that. He needed that time to be alone with the Lord because of what we just saw and what he said when he was asked, Where'd you get this message? Where did he get it? He's not learned, he's never been to seminary, he's never been to Bible college. Where did he get this? And he was coming to the Father to have fellowship with the Father, hear from the Father, and therefore be prepared what lay ahead in that day that was coming. But what we see him doing, he was praying there. This is what is characteristic of an individual in whom the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Jesus was who he was because, of course, he was fully God and fully man. But he did not exercise all of His powers to do what He wanted to do. He wanted to become fully identified with us and give us the proper example to follow in order that we might be people who are useful to Him because we spend time alone with Him in prayer, listening for His voice. That should be the priority of our lives. In the book of Isaiah... Chapter 50 verse 4, listen to what the writer says. You have given me the tongue of disciples so that I might have a word that will sustain me and encourage me. But not just sustain and encourage me, so that I might have a word that will help weary people get encouragement in life. That was our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is who we are to be if the Lord is going to minister to others through us. We are drawn to the person of Christ. And when we trust Christ alone for our salvation, He comes to indwell us. Look earlier in the first chapter of Mark, beginning with verse 9. And it came about in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth at Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming out of the water, He saw the heavens opening and the Spirit like a dove descending upon Him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son, in You I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit compelled Him to go out into the wilderness. Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit of God. Now let's pause and think about that a moment. Another way of saying the same thing is was He was filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, the third chapter, in the 34th verse, John writes that Jesus had the Spirit of God without measure. He was filled with the Spirit. Now let me stop here just a moment. If you know Jesus Christ, the Bible says this about you. In Romans, the 8th chapter in the ninth verse says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. So how do we receive the Spirit of God? The moment you receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. Otherwise, we could not be indwelled by God. Jesus Christ does not insert His body in you or me or anyone else when we trust in Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. And so when we receive Him, He enters our lives by His Spirit. And so what we need to understand is that you, if you have received Christ, the Spirit of God lives in you. When Paul is writing to the Corinthians, in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, he says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of God? Because the Spirit of God dwells in you. He was talking there to the entire church, and I'll get back to that in just a moment. Later in the sixth chapter, verses 19 and 20, he says, "What Do you not know that your body, he's talking about an individual here, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So, when we receive Jesus Christ, He comes and indwells us by the Spirit. Jesus lives in you. And He wants to reproduce Himself through you and me. He wants us to be people whom He will use to draw other people to Himself. That's critically important when we think about this matter. And a huge part of that is that we'll be prayerful. And we'll be prayerful because we are led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us and we are to submit ourselves fully to Him and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. He lives in us. He comes into us. But we have to live in a relationship with Him of submission and trust in Him for all our needs, but more importantly, trust in Him to use us to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. So, what about the church? I mentioned that, quoting from 1 Corinthians 3.16. Jesus Christ, Roman numeral 1, would be Jesus Christ when He walked the earth as one of us. He was one of us in being fully human. He had been fully God, retained His deity, and continued to contain and retain His deity for the rest of His existence into eternity after He was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. In the book of Colossians 2.9, this is a key verse about His indwelling us. He says this, Paul does, in Christ, we are people in whom full deity dwells our being because he has come to indwell us. Full deity of Christ come to live in us. If you think, I just don't have what it takes to be the kind of person like Christ is. And in effect, that's true if it were not for the fact that He indwells you and indwells me. And He wants to live His life through us. And certainly, He will do that. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter is teaching people, Gentile people, about the person of Christ. And he says, Jesus of Nazareth was... A man who went about doing good and healing people who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Is God with you? If you know Jesus Christ, God is not simply with you. He lives in you. That's amazing to think about. No brag, just fact. And there's nothing for us to brag about, is there? The only thing we have to brag about is the Lord Jesus Christ and who He is and what He has done for us. So, Jesus Christ was prayerful. The Holy Spirit Himself is described in the book of Acts chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, as the One who comes alongside of us, dwells in us, and He teaches us how to pray and gives us the power to pray. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, we could not be like Christ in our prayer life. This is true of the church. Our church is indwelt by the Holy Spirit as a body. And what we need to understand that if we're going to be like Christ and be used by Christ as a church, it's not going to be because of our location. We have a great spot to meet on, don't we? Great spot. Thank God that... There was foresight to buy this piece of property 50 years ago plus so that we could be here today worshiping in a nice place. Facilities, Jesus had no facility when He was out in the wilderness. Go ahead and go down a little further. We're going to look at verse 45 and we'll come back to it again. Verse 45 says, He, this is the man that He cleanses of leprosy, went out and began to proclaim His healing freely and to spread the news about to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to Him from everywhere. Jesus was out there in the wilderness, if you will, and people still came to Him He had no canopy over him when he taught and preached. He was just out in a desolate place. Thank God we have a good facility. Thank God that we have a good location. And Jesus, when you think about him, the people whom he chose to begin his ministry, none of them had any formal education. And you will remember perhaps when two of them, the leaders, Peter and John, got arrested and brought before the tribunal of the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the internal affairs of Israel. These Jews who were 70 in number, they listened to them, and then they said, you guys go out for a while, we'll bring you back in and tell you what we know you need to do, and you've got to obey it or you're going to be in trouble. And then they talked with each other, and they, wa- they were amazed And the reason they were amazed is because they were ordinary, uneducated men, but notice what they said about them. They recognized they had been with Jesus. comes back to where we started. Being with Christ, spending time with Him, beyond important. It's essential. Because when we're with Christ in reading the Word, praying privately with Him, We're in Christ in relationship to God the Father, just like He gives us the example, doesn't He? This church is to be a prayerful church led by the Spirit of God. All the things we see about Christ in this section of Scripture has to do with the presence and work of the Holy Spirit. In that verse I mentioned a little earlier from Acts, I left out a part on purpose. It says about Jesus of Nazareth, God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus was prayerful, but Jesus was also powerful, wasn't he? Purposeful as well. Let's go back and look at verses 36 and following in Mark 1. Simon and his companions hunted for Jesus. He had gotten up quietly. They were all racked out. He left, and they said, where is the Lord? And in the interim, people started coming back, because remember, people are drawn to the person of Jesus Christ, and they were wanting to see Him. And so Simon Peter gets his buddies together. He says, hey, we got to find the Lord and tell Him He needs to come back to Capernaum and teach these people, heal them. In verse 37, they found Him and said to Him, everyone is looking for you. That underscores what we've said, all right? That people were coming from everywhere, regardless of where Christ would be found. In verse 38, and he said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, in order that I may preach there also, for that is what I came out for. Why did Jesus come? These are his words by Luke. He said, I have to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to bring the good news because He understands that apart from the Gospel, no man can be saved, no woman can be saved. The Bible says in the book of Romans that the Gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe in Christ through the Gospel. So Jesus was purposeful. He also says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he says this, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give, give His life a ransom for many. The church of Jesus Christ, if it's going to be like Christ, it's going to have the priority of the Gospel. When Mark describes the three main reasons for Christ. Selecting out of a large pool of disciples those whom he would give ultimate marching orders to the apostles. And this is what Mark says about Jesus' choice in verses 14 and 15. Here's what he says: that they might be with him. And here's another aspect of Christ. He's not only prayerful and he's purposeful, he's got his priorities right, but He wants us to be with Him. And this goes back, I'm circling back to what we talked about earlier. Christ needed that time with God the Father for replenishment of power. And so do we. Fellowship with Him and direction from Him. And make that the priority of our lives. And the second thing he says, that they might be sent out by Christ to preach the Gospel. To share the Gospel. Many times... We equate preaching with someone like me standing in front of people like you and having a captive audience to a certain extent and just speaking a message, teaching a message. But it's more than that. It's simply telling people about the person and work of Jesus Christ and how he is the way to their Father, to the Father, and eternal life. There is no other way except through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was powerful, as we've seen. Look at verse 39. He went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. He was delivering people from demon oppression. In verse 40, we see the compassion of Jesus. And a leper came to Him, beseeching Him, and falling on his knees before Him and saying to Him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was cleansed. I'm sure most of you know, but there may be some here who aren't familiar with the fact that leprosy was symbolic of sin. And a person who was plagued with leprosy was a person who could not enter in to the worship of the Lord in the temple or into the synagogue the person was an outcast and what does Jesus do here? Jesus shows incredible compassion because he knew this man would even have been isolated from the time he was declared leprous until the time that Jesus would deliver him from that illness, he would be isolated and we need to understand that's what sin does to us, doesn't it? It isolates us. And Christ has compassion on this leper. And in the same way, Christ has compassion on us when we come to Him and we recognize, just as surely as this leper recognized his total helplessness apart from the work of Christ in his life. So, this church should be a compassionate church. We're going to receive a compassion offering at the end of the worship time today, and that money will go specifically to help relieve the needs of people on the physical plane. But look, compassion goes beyond that. Without that, we're not really like Christ, because when people were hungry, he fed them. We know he drew a pretty big crowd for that feeding, didn't he? There was one that followed up. There were 5,000 the first time. There were 4,000 another time. I mean, word about Christ traveled fast, didn't it? People were coming to him. But he never missed an opportunity to present the gospel message. And so we know that the church should not either miss such an opportunity. Let's look at verse... 43, and Jesus sternly warned him and immediately sent him away, and he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Well, that seems a little odd, doesn't it? One would think that Jesus would want him to spread the gospel, this good news that he had experienced, but there was a reason for that, it shows Christ's compassion in yet another way, but also, and more importantly, it shows Christ's commitment to adhering to the Word of God. He goes on to say in the middle of verse 44, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing, what Moses commanded, and for a testimony to them. In other words, in the book of Leviticus, the 14th chapter, 32 verses are devoted to when a person has had leprosy, has been declared clean of leprosy, then there are certain things that need to be done. And one of them is to be given a stamp of being healed by the priest. Jesus was concerned about obeying the Word of God, knowing that there is a direct relationship between that and wholeness in our lives. So what have we learned today about the being of Jesus? It's important. People are drawn to Christ. They're drawn to places like this. Even a place that has no nice facility, has no good location, has people on their staff that were kind of like that original group. They were unlikely characters, weren't they? But the Lord used them. I mean, you can have the best qualified staff, paid staff, on a church and be deader than a doornail. You understand that? And I'm not holding myself up in any way in saying that. I'm just saying, we who are spiritual leaders who are paid, we are people who are to be like Christ. But we're not the only ones. Remember, He didn't come just to be in the lives of paid people. And one of the things I love about the Gideons is, and you heard it earlier, they don't get a dime for what they do. I like what I heard one preacher say one time when he was preaching to a large congregation. He said, people hear me speak about Christ and they see me as a paid professional. But when they see you, and he's talking to his congregants, When they hear you preach the gospel, share Christ on a street corner or with your neighbor or wherever, in a laundromat, what they know is you're a satisfied customer. And this is the beauty. And look, the whole dichotomy that has grown up, it's a heresy really. That there is a distinction in God's mind between people who are given to the church, who are able to teach and explain the Word of God and apply it, that those people are on a level above the rest. Forget about it. That is not the will of God. Because He wants all of us who make up the body of Christ, now the body of Christ, not just the body of preachers, but the body of Christ is the church. God wants this in our church. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And consequently, we will be like Christ. What have we learned about him? He is prayerful, even to this day. Does he continue to pray? The Bible says, we have one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus lives, Hebrews 7:25. He lives to make intercession for us. Why does he do that? Because even after we receive Christ we have a tendency to take matters back into our own hands. As we grow in maturity we learn how to more and more walk by the Spirit and not in the flesh. And we have an adversary, the devil, who wants to just do us in. He's like a roaring lion. He, just looks for some tender morsel of a Christian to devour. And what does the devil do? Every time I sin, the devil accuses me to the Father. And you too, for that matter. It's true of all of us. Satan is the accuser of the brothers. He accuses us day and night. But what's Jesus doing all the time? He's interceding for us, isn't He? Praise the Lord. And our church needs to be a church that intercedes we have a prayer meeting every Tuesday night from 7 until 8. You're invited, by the way. You don't have to be a real veteran of praying. Just come and be with us as we pray for people who need Jesus, for people who are ill and need healing. We pray for people, and we love to bring that kind of prayer before the Lord. We're to be purposeful. Preaching the gospel. That's our number one important goal. To preach the whole counsel of God. And remember what Jesus says in John 5.39. He says to His detractors, He said, You search the Scripture because you believe that in them you have eternal life. And it is this that bears witness to me. Now remember when Jesus said that in chapter 5, verse 39 of John, there was no New Testament. He was talking about the Old Testament. The Old Testament has Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as its message too. So we need to be people who understand the whole Word of God has been given to us. And we are to teach it and share it. Jesus is purposeful, yes. He's prayerful, yes. And He expects our church to be such And He's compassionate. We've already seen that. But He's also one. Let's look at this last verse one more time. Verse 45. But He went out and began to proclaim it freely that His healing, this is the leper, and to spread the news about to such an extent that Jesus could no longer go publicly into a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to Him from everywhere. Would you have a desire to be a part of a church where people are coming to Jesus Christ from everywhere in El Paso and beyond El Paso? Well, we we would want that. And it's the Lord's will that this be true. And He's given us an example, but more than an example, He's given us someone who has come to live in us individually and to live in us collectively. And so what God wants for this church is not to try to build any kind of reputation for itself. Not to get so in love with the institution, the brand Coronado Baptist Church. Realizing that is the kiss of death for any church. When a church starts having to do that, to promote itself, it's already on the way out. And we need to carefully guard in our own hearts and in our own actions that kind of drift in the church. And realize what Paul said when he had been accused undoubtedly of preaching himself, he and his buddies, and then he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, we do not preach ourselves, but the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the old adage, the whole is the sum of the parts? I learned it in geometry probably, maybe even before that. It's true, isn't it? But Aristotle, who did have some wisdom after all, he made this statement, and this is what it was. He said, the sum Of the whole is the sum of the parts are greater than the whole. That seems a little confusing, but what he's saying is when we who know Christ pull together, yoke up with Christ, and we're in his trail, we're following, we're focusing on the person of Christ, we are single minded in our effort to share Christ. First of all, we gotta be in that right relationship humble before Him. And then we will be used by the Spirit of God, as Jesus says to the apostles as He was getting ready to leave, to go to heaven. He says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest part of the earth. This is what God wants for us as a church. And it needs to be true in our own heart. Would you bow your head? Would you want to be part of such a church? I'm not talking about getting your name on the roll of a church. God forbid that that would be construed here today. I'm talking about would you want to be more than just nominally connected to Christ and just in name be connected to this body of believers, but you'd be a person who says I want to be Part of the team that's yoked up with Christ and following Christ, so that people would see the body of Christ that I'm part of as something that needs exploration, examination, and I could learn to know the secret of life from that church. Wouldn't you like that? Would you pray to the Lord with me? Father, we do thank You for Your love for us. We ask You, Father, that You would help us to grasp the reality that we are the body of Christ and that we are capable and really it's Your desire that we be like Him. Make us more prayerful. Make us more purposeful And. Help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that's bottom line. Lord, fill us and use us to glorify You by bringing people to faith in Christ and discipling them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.